With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, I don't want to look at homes. Ah, put on a shirt, dude. All right, that was the whole purpose. I brought a, <laughs> I brought a robe. It's a good thing this is not a video podcast. You know what the weird thing is? That you're not wearing pants either? Yes, probably we know. That too. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The Quarantined and Rails podcast is back. We actually have a podcast here to talk Purdue sports, which probably gets us... uh, we haven't had many for football or basketball so uh to have an actual Purdue sports podcast from a Purdue sports blog when there are no sports is a rare treat so we will be discussing what little news there is out there and tonight we have a four-man pod first off we have father to be jumbo heroes andrew ledman in dc how are you holding down the fort actually in baltimore excuse there me. we go Jeez, i gotta correct you every time i'm i'm hanging in there uh wife is asleep on the couch so i'm ready to podcast there we go there we go we also have uh andrew holmes here in indy as well he is across town or excuse me lawrence uh same thing <laughs> and we have our uh, number two emeritus, the man that always has been holding things together until he just quit because SB Nation told him, nah, we're not going to pay you anymore. Uh, we have Juan on the West Coast. How you doing, Juan? I'm not paid enough to talk in this podcast anymore. Wait, you guys get paid? <laughs> I also just want to point out, <laughs> as soon as Juan left, the world went to hell. <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I'm blaming myself because for years I have had a self-professed hatred of all things Disney and no desire to go to Disneyland. And what do I do this year? We planned a trip to go to Disneyland starting May 22nd. So uh, I'll take one for the team there. (laughs) Boy, that didn't, that that was high comedy there. Great. Well, I thought you were going to move on. No, I guess I am moving on now. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, we do have a little bit of Purdue Sports news to discuss as our draft streak has restarted. Thank you very much, Bryson Hopkins and Marcus Bailey, the latest Boilermakers to get drafted, and a sign that things are st- continuing to turn around, I should say, under Jeff Brom. So what are you guys' thoughts on the draft? I mean, I don't really think there were any real surprises. I mean, surely we we had assumed those two were going to be drafted uh, Bailey, of course, dropped largely, I think, because of his knee. Um, we saw how productive he could be before things um, went south with the injury for him. So, I mean, I think the Bengals got probably a, a pretty good pick there in the seventh round, considering what Marcus Bailey could be once that knee heals. Um, Hopkins, of course, I think is going to be a great addition for the Rams. I mean, that dude is just, he, he's what you want in a tight end. He can block, he can catch. Um, not the speediest guy out there, but... You know, he's good at what he does, and he'll fit into a good offense like the Rams. Hopefully, you know, they get back on track. That logo, though, I just don't know how they're going to look in that logo. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I think that means Juan's just going to become a Ram season ticket holder now. You don't pay him enough to talk on the podcast, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about this. I'm a Packers fan, and I don't want to talk about the draft anymore. <laughs> well, you should like the one that I saw earlier today that was uh, uh, Rodgers demanding that he was the Packers quarterback, and then the Vikings account saying, you know what's going to happen, you're coming our way. And then Brett Favre, I believe, said the, yeah, get your dick pics on your phone now. It was really, really strange. The actual, like, actually Brett Favre said that? Yeah, I think so. It looked like it was from his uh, official account and stuff. I'm I don't, believe, I don't believe anything that you tell me about <laughs> official accounts on Twitter. <laughs> well, Travis, I mean, what did you think about the draft? You haven't really said what you thought. Uh, I, you know, I think it's pretty good. Like you said, those were the two guys most likely to get drafted. And it's just, it's nice after the lengthy streak that Purdue had of at least one guy getting drafted to restart it when last year it went down. And even then it doesn't kind of feel like it went down because David Blau still made the show and he was able to start five games. I mean, sure. Uh, the lions are more of an NFL like substance as opposed to the actual NFL, but Hey, he started five games in the NFL. That's more than I'm ever going to start. And uh, yeah, I think I think there'll be good pickups. Uh, I would like to have seen, you know, Hopkins probably go a little bit higher. I thought he had a chance for a second or third round just because of his talent. But I think he's a bit of a steal for the Rams. And then uh, Bailey with the Bengals, um, you know, again, poor bastard. He's going to the Bengals, but would love to see him stay healthy and at least get a shot because this was his second ACL tear, unfortunately. I mean, there's not a whole lot more to say. I mean, the fit for Hopkins with the Rams seems like the best case, one of the best case scenarios for him. You know, that's a, that's an offense that's, that's going to throw the ball. Good, a good offense. I honestly have no idea about the fit with the Bengals because when's the last time that you thought about the Bengals defense? Um, <laughs> even, even like hardcore NFL fans. Uh, the only thing I know about the Bengals right now is that apparently Dalton's not not going to uh, be the quarterback anymore, right? So <laughs> that's all I got. Well, they draft they just drafted yeah. the number one guy overall, so of course Dalton's not going to be the quarterback anymore. Right. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, Dalton was the only thing I knew about the Bengals. Dalton and AJ Green. So outside of that, <laughs> I don't know. Perfect's not there anymore, right? Is he back? Um, I, I think he's officially in an asylum somewhere. I want to fact check Travis. I don't see that tweet anywhere on Twitter, so just to be clear. And one more thing on the draft. I mean, the only thing that really worries me from uh, Marcus Bailey's perspective is he was the third linebacker that the Bengals took in that draft. So, I mean, I know um, I did a little bit of looking on what they have. And, I mean, linebacker is a problem for the Bengals, as is mostly everything. But um, – you know, to, to have them draft three linebackers like that, you do kind of wonder how much fighting he's going to have to do to land a roster spot. Um, so that could be a little tough for him. But, I mean, when you look around, you know, other guys will can, can find spots on the league after a little bit of here and there. Um, you know, it, it happens, but, you know, you always wonder when, when you're one of three players drafted at your position, granted more than one is going to be on the field at a time, you always wonder how that's going to work out. But... Um, if anybody can do it, he, it's going to be him. I mean, he's come through so much adversity to end up being drafted. So hopefully moving forward, he can he can be 100%. I mean, I know he did well at the Combine. So hopefully he can fight for a roster spot and we can see him on the field next season, whenever that may be. 
to uh, clarify my perfect take, he was with the Raiders last year for all the four games before he got ejected against the Colts and suspended for the rest of the season due to a helmet-to-helmet hit. Sounds about right. Sounds sounds Raiders-ish. So the other news that we have is we have a couple of basketball notes to go out around out there. As uh, I'm sure everyone is well aware, Matt Harms has moved on to greener pastures and will be playing for the BYU Fighting Mormons this coming season. I don't so, think we can call those greener pastures. <laughs> well, I mean, they have evergreens up in the mountains there, or snowier pastures, if you will. They have elevation changes. There we go. Yes, they ha- they actually have topography, unlike West Lafayette. Uh, but this is obviously a huge, huge change. So uh, I don't think we got really a lot of people's reactions. What were your thoughts, uh, I guess, Holmes? What were your thoughts when you first heard the news that he was leaving? Well, when he, that he was leaving, just in general, uh, I was pretty sh- shocked because Harms was a Purdue guy enough that he went across the world to come play, you know, play for us. I mean, I, you know, he had the stop and kansas for a semester first for prep school but literally that was his quote was that he was a purdue fan somehow you know watching it watching college basketball in the netherlands and that's what got him kind of over to america you know he could have stayed in europe and gone through their uh teams and development and programs uh over there but it seemed like we were a big part of the reason that he even came over here looking so just shocking I'm going. I'm going to credit Matt Tindam for that one. The uh, Dutch legend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I. I think it. It's probably somewhere still online. But if you have, if anybody out there listening has not read the Basket Baffle of Matt Tindam, I mean, it's like a thirty-something part series. Of it is fantastic. I mean, it is just delightful. <laughs> um, so definitely read that if you can. Um, but I think I'm a lot. I mean. I'm a lot like Holmes in this instance, you know, because when I saw the notification um, that he, that Harms was going to be leaving, I I was really shocked because he seems like a Purdue guy through and through, seemed like he really has loved his time at Purdue. Uh, You know, he was volunteering at at the, at one of the uh, animal shelters, like walking dogs. Um, He was always bringing great energy to the court, to the floor. Um, Always seemed like he was out there cheering on his teammates, kind of rooting for everybody to do their best, be their best, and he didn't necessarily have to to be the star. So for me, you know, it was quite a shock. But I mean, the more I thought about it, the the less surprising it became. But uh, I think we can get into that right after we hear how Travis felt. I mean, I was kind of stunned, and I, I'm with you guys. I thought that he was all in as a Purdue guy and everything else, and. You know, I'm not going to fall into that speculative trap that everybody else is like, oh, there was something in the locker room. And he's like, nobody has any idea. Uh, I don't think that we have any Kelsey Barlow like presences on the team right now that would be that divisive in the locker room. But I think part of I do think that part of his frustration this year was with his injuries. Um, Didn't he have a concussion before the season? And I know he had the one at Nebraska and he had the hip flexor, but. Wasn't the Nebraska one his his second concussion? I feel like it was. I think it didn't it happen in preseason practice. I think so. Yes, um, but I can't remember a hundred percent. So I'm sure I, I remember reading it, but I can't tell you a hundred percent. But I, I think that a lot of that is what held him back this year. And 
you know, the, the concussion at Nebraska was pretty brutal because the guy hit his head on the floor and that is that it cost him a full game. I know. And it seemed to affect him as well as the hip injury the rest of the season. You know, I don't think he was a large reason that Purdue struggled so much this year, but I think that his drop off in production because of those injuries definitely contributed to that. And it was, you know, a lot of little things that led to it, uh, led to Purdue struggles this year. And that was just one of them. Yeah, I think his drop in production was absolutely a big reason why we struggled. I mean, you know, I have his stats pulled up and you look at it and it doesn't look like there was a huge drop off from the uh, 2018-19 season when we got to the Elite Eight. But I mean, you know, his points went from 9.4, they dropped down to 8.6. The blocks fell only, you know, marginally from 2.1 to 2. Uh, rebounds went down 5.4 to 4.6. But the big thing to me is the field goal percentage. I mean, he in uh, in 2018-2019 shot 63%, and last year he shot 52%. And he's not taken a lot of long jumpers. Yeah, he took more three-pointers this year um, than he had in the past. But you and I and everybody else who's a Purdue fan watched all those games. I mean, this guy missed so many bunnies this year, so many right next to the rim, right up against the basket. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't just him. It was the whole team. Um, for whatever reason, they couldn't hit a layup. But when you see that production fall, I mean, an additional 11 percentage points. If if Harms had, had shot 63% from the floor this year instead of 52, you know, it would have been a whole different team. And let's, let's not forget that it wasn't even so much the – he was missing bunnies. He was getting blocked, which a seven foot two dude should almost never get blocked at the rim. Hey, he's seven foot three. Oh, excuse me. Yes, which is even worse. Right, right. I mean, I mean that's almost astounding. And then you look at the last game against Rutgers. Didn't he get dunked on at like a key moment? And yeah. that's also not a good sign when you're just when a seven three dude is getting dunked on like that. And yeah, you're not. It's like Greg Ostertag getting posterized by Big Dog. Yeah, well, that's big dog, though. I mean, that's big dog. I mean, this is a guy from Rutgers, which, yes, I know that they're a lot better this year, but it it's it, it wasn't a big dog-esque player dunking on him. No, no. <laughs> who, who was it? Who was it that dunked on him? I can't even remember. I think was it only... Harper Jr. or was it Baker? I think I think the only person you can give give leeway on there is Harper Jr. I think. Especially, you know, especially uh, with the Bulls documentary right now, I think we got to think you got to let the son of an NBA champion. If he dunks on you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel quite it's, as bad if it was I, just some other player. <laughs> so I'm on ESPN, and I was that's where I was getting his stats from. And if you click on the Rutgers game to give you a recap, the video that comes up immediately: Rutgers young dunks all over seven foot three harms. Oh, so good. That answers our question. Yeah, I ain't sure who that is. Jacob Young. I'm I'm gonna blame that because that's after he cut his hair though. So let, let's just blame that on the hair. Jacob Young, by the way, six foot two. Oh, that's even worse. So set our set our seven foot seven foot three center got dunked on by a six foot two uh, guard from Rutgers. From Rutgers. It was his girlfriend that made him cut his hair, right? I have no idea. Do we know if they're still together? Do we have uh, inside info there? I could not imagine a thing I care less about. Well, this is the second time that a girlfriend has ruined a seven foot two Purdue senior. Nope. Nope. We're moving on. We're moving on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Juan. 
So let's go to a uh, less controversial topic, and that is Nojel Eastern has declared for the NFL or the NFL draft. NFL that would draft. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> the NBA draft. Nojel Eastern going to the NBA draft, and uh, he's going to test the waters for the second time in his career. He did so the first time after his freshman season. He's going to this year. Um, yeah. Good luck. I'm gonna, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a hot take out there. He's coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it's safe to say he's coming back. And um, I forget who I did see earlier tonight. Someone had a valid point of the last time he went through it. He did come back and have a much better season. Uh, he was able to contribute a little bit more offensively and was well within the flow of the offense. But this is a guy that's going to be Purdue's only senior next season now with harms gone. Quite frankly, we need more out of him offensively. I understand that he's a great defender, and that is fantastic, but we cannot afford to have him essentially be a complete liability on offense like he was for much of this past season, and Purdue's offense doesn't work when you're playing four on five. It just doesn't. Yeah, and I mean, he did, like you said, he declared for the draft after his freshman season, and again, just looking at the stats... From his freshman to his sophomore season, his minutes more than doubled. His field goal percentage went up to from 48 to 49. Three-point percentage was a solid zero, but I don't even know if he shot one. His free throw percentage went up from 41 to 65. Rebounds went up by three. Assists more than doubled. Steals nearly doubled. And his turnovers went up slightly, but that's it was negligible. And then his points more than doubled. Uh, from his freshman to sophomore year. So I don't know if the in a, in a NBA um, evaluators had anything to do with that, but whatever you know happened in between those two seasons was a, was a big help. When you compare it to what he did last year, all those numbers went back down. I mean, his minutes went down, field goal percentage went down, free throw percentage went down all the way to 48%. Uh, not only did his free throw percentage go down, his attempts went down dramatically. Uh, he had 100 attempts in 2018-19. He had 33 this past season. So that is not even attacking the rim nearly as much, uh, partially either because he wasn't confident in his shot or partially because he was not confident getting to the line. But you're you're looking at a significant drop in just his attempts. And, of course, his rebounds significantly down, too. Yeah, uh, lost a, a rebound and a half on average per game. And just in in total rebounds, he lost 74 on the season, which, I mean, that that's a significant, significant mark. And we can't have that. We can't yeah. have that out of a senior player next year. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to discover a jump shot from somewhere else. Uh, he's... For his career now, he is a blistering 3 of 16 from 3. He has not hit a 3 since he was a freshman. He's got to be at least some sort of threat to drive to the basket. Otherwise, why are you out there? Now, I think some of the drop this year is obviously has to do with the just the drop of the team in general and the flow of the offense. There was just so many times where nobody was in a flow at all. And we didn't have anybody really driving. I think, I think he's best as a complimentary guy on offense. And there, I mean, I can't even tell you who, who are we supposed to be complimenting on offense? We didn't really have a go guy. Like he had the luxury of playing with Carson as a sophomore. I, th- I think there's glimpses 
I think we had a what what game was it where he took over for like two or three minutes towards the end and really held it and tried to kind of drive things and keep things together on both ends for like well. He had 14 at Wisconsin. Uh, that was one of his better games. He had a great game at Maryland. And he would be the only one that had a great game at Maryland, if yeah. I recall. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, that this year that seems to be where we saw the best album was when everybody else was really not doing well. And he, to his credit, always seems to be even keel and willing to put the work and the fight in. He's just not, you know, he's not harmed. He's not going to pump up everybody. I don't think he ever quits. It's just, I think the confidence in the shot is the only thing that goes up and down all the time. Yeah. He had six games this year where he was held completely scoreless. Uh, no, that's that's not going to work. It's, it's just not going to work. And that, he played 30 minutes against Rutgers and didn't score at all. He only took four field goals. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got a little bit of the attitude of, like, Nelson Muntz and that episode of The Simpsons where they play football, where he's like, yeah, I'll just do it myself and tries to do everything, except for, you know, Nelson excelled uh, uh, in that episode of The Simpsons, whereas Eastern kind of like thinks he can dribble around everybody, but he's one of the most awkward dribblers I've ever seen in my life at the college level. And he just, I, I don't know, he he wants to be able to do everything, but there. He uh, he just doesn't seem to understand what his role on the team is at times. You know, he he wants to do it all, but then he turns it over. Uh, he he wants to drive, but then he can't make free throws. He has no jumper to speak of, so he's got to figure out what his role is going to be next season, and he needs to stick to it. If I were to say something about his jumper, I'm wondering how much it's affected by the fact that when he does have to shoot a jumper, even wide open, there's almost an audible gasp from everybody in the arena of the, Oh God, no. And, you know, I don't know how much he's able to tune that out. I'm sure he tunes it out quite a bit, but at least to me, that's just the, there is that certain amount of, Oh God, no, there's four seconds left in the shot clock. Nobody else is open and he's 18 feet from the basket all alone. And you're just like, Oh, crap. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to disagree a little bit here and say I don't think that the problem is that he forces things so much that he doesn't doesn't force things sometimes. Like he doesn't he doesn't take it upon himself to just know, hey, I can beat this guy because there's guys that he 100 percent can beat to the bucket. Probably most of the game, even in the Big Ten, there's some guards that he could that would, are going to be guarding him that he could take to the bucket. I think what it is is he knows he knows uh, his role almost too well at times. Like he's he's trying so hard to stay within himself that he doesn't doesn't take the opportunities. And then when he when he's kind of feels like he has to take the opportunity, that's when that's when I think we see the biggest problems is when it seems like nobody else wants to do it or nobody else is doing what he expects them to be doing or doesn't you know they're not playing in the offense, or there's too much standing around. That's when I think it kind of fall. He feels like it falls on his shoulders. Would be my impression of it. But of course, as you guys know, I'm a big no gel fan. So I was going to say I'm glad that you're on this podcast because I know that you're like the biggest no gel defender of ours. Well, I think one one thing that he can do and has shown a real affinity for is playing down low on the block. 
I mean, when he posts up, he does a decent enough job down there. And he often is a matchup problem for other people because he's such an odd... I mean, he's 6'7", but he plays point guard a lot of the time, but he also can go down low. And he's not really a point... Like, he doesn't really play point guard, but he takes the ball up a lot. It's like, I don't really know what position he plays. You know, he. I mean, like I said, he's listed as a guard. He takes the ball a lot. But then he goes and plays in the paint. Uh, he posts up. And I think, like I said, I think that's something that he does well. Um, but the, the problem has been, you know, we've always had Harms or we've always had Trevion. So where do we go to get him in a position to succeed given his skill set? Because having him play out on the wing is not going to get, you know, is not going to be a vital part of our offense. And that, that's where it becomes the four-on-five offense because exactly. he, he exactly. can't play on the wing. He can't. Because we just put him in a corner or, you know, he's running around setting a screen, but then no one has to has to really respect him when he does that screen. I mean, he, he is best at offensively when he is crashing the glass, either trying to drive to the basket or he's very, very good at picking up the garbage baskets on offensive rebounds. Absolutely. But that's... That is only you can't rely on that as part of you know a critical part of the offense, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, unless you're getting rebounds at like a Dennis Rodman level, it's not going to be enough for you to just rely on that as your offense. Right, exactly. But you know, as you said, he is going to be back because I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I would say that I have a better shot of playing in an NBA game this coming season than he does. <laughs> He, he has a better chance in the NFL draft than the NBA draft. I'm but I, I want to see him succeed, though. And as we've seen with the tools that he had there in his sophomore season, he can be a very effective player. But as you mentioned, he had Carson that year. He had Klein. He had Eifert to an extent. And, you know, it's going to be up to Purdue to find a way to open that up to where he can get those driving lanes and everything else again. I think the backcourt help that we have – coming in will help him i honestly i think he i don't know how i don't know how he translates to actual you know like mentoring and you know the personality wise uh how well he does that but i feel like he's got that presence and he's the type of guy that would be willing to help those younger players and be a really good um mentor to younger players i'm just not 100 percent sure you know that that's that's a hundred percent true because obviously, you know, none of us are in the locker room. But I think that help will help everybody with Ivy and Morton. Um, I think they're f- the fit. Maybe the pieces will fit together a little bit better uh, with those guys on the floor. I'll also say that with the NBA thing, I don't know why every single player that even has a chance to play any sort of pro ball anywhere, you know, whether it's the second league in turkey or somewhere if you can if you can go to the nba combine and get you know get some feedback go through the process i would go those two times for every single every single player i had i would you know as a coach i would say go you know unless you're ryan klein and you 100 percent know that you're not gonna play basketball after this what you know what does it hurt and i think we had that same argument honestly when he was a freshman if i remember correctly yeah you're right so, I mean, it'll be good to, you know, I hope it's a beneficial process for him. Uh, he's going to be back, let's face it. And 
we, we need him to be that senior leader this year because he's the only senior we have. It's going to be an interesting lineup with four juniors behind him with Wheeler, Stefanovic, Williams, and Hunter. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that's been through it. As I as I tweeted out earlier today, he needs a win at Michigan State to uh, complete his own Delaney dozen. So he knows what it's like to win both home and away. He's been part of a been a part of a championship team, and uh, now he's got to impart those lessons. So, with that in mind, we should probably start winding it down here. And uh, do you have any final thoughts for us, Holmes? You know, I feel like we didn't touch very much on Harms where he ended up. I just want to say that my reaction to BYU is, one, being from the Netherlands, does he even know what BYU is? Did they tell him? Did they let him know about Mormonism? They don't They don't have Mormons in the Netherlands, do they? I might have to look I that up. have no idea. <laughs> well, with, uh, with uh, the way that they, with the uh, missions right program, they've got Mormons all over the world. I don't know what you're going to say. I just said with the missions program, they got Mormons all over the world. What's so controversial about that? Okay. Well, I was making sure you didn't say something controversial. <laughs> I am being good. Oh, no. I'm I'm probably the one you got to watch out for when we get into this stuff. Oh, here's a map. Global distribution. Because podcasting is such a visual medium. It looks like less than... I can't, I can't tell the shades. It's all different shades of blue. It looks like potentially less than... 10,000 Mormons in the Netherlands? Hey, they're still there. But, I mean, I don't even know if, you know, coming coming in, I, I wouldn't even know if Harms was uh, religious at all. So it seems like a very, very weird landing spot. But he'll have, I'm sure he'll, I don't, I don't know Gonzaga's roster, but that means, I'm sure that means he gets to play some other European seven-footer for at least two games next year. Probably... Four, if you count St. Mary's, because they don't—they usually have a European seven-footer. So BYU's yeah. just trying to get on the bandwagon. Yeah, and it'll be—it'll be interesting. I do wish him the best. Uh, hope we don't have to run into him because that'd be a really, really weird game. But it wouldn't be until any postseason, uh, at least as far as everything looks now on the schedule. So yeah, I, I wish him the best. Uh, what do you have as a final thought, Edmund? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just go and and kind of second and third that. Uh, I do wish Matt Harms the best. I know anytime you go on the internet and you see, especially with sports, you know, someone transfers, they're like, oh, good. He was going to, you know, he was trash anyway. He was a terrible, you know, whatever. But I don't think that way. And I don't think the majority of our fans do. I think we've, we really have truly appreciated what Matt Harms has done for us as a program. Um, and we wish him nothing but the best. I, and I really do hope he's positioning himself to play basketball somewhere overseas. Cause I think that's truly what he wants. Um, and, and Trevion was going to kind of box him out next season. So I think it's probably a good move for him in the long run. And, and like you all said, I wish him nothing but the best. And one other thing on no gel for anybody wondering about timelines today, April 26th, uh, when we're recording, this was the deadline to declare for the draft, um, for underclassmen. And then as of now, the deadline to return is, uh, June 3rd. So they do note that that could change depending on what happens with the draft. Uh, but they do note that today, as of today, as of this recording, the date for underclassmen to return to their team is June 3rd. So obviously look for news on Eastern in the in the interim there. So other than that, that's all I got. And, and we don't even know what kind of evaluation period is going to happen here with right. that either. Right. So. It's all up in the air. 
All right, uh, Juan, any final thoughts? Uh, would you like one more screed against SB Nation? Nah. <laughs> Dynamite drop in, Juan. Uh, so I guess for my final thoughts is uh, I continue to try and be optimistic. Um, I'm really hoping that we get a football season here of some sort. I think we will get some form of football does that necessarily mean that, yes, on September 5th, the season will kick off in Lincoln as as originally scheduled? I, you know, I honestly don't know. Uh, I am not an epidemiologist. I am a crazy sports blogger living in Indianapolis, and I have no freaking clue. I'm not going to pretend that I have any clue, but uh, I am optimistic, at least, that hopefully we'll get something and that something can happen (laughs) because uh, everybody's getting a little stir crazy. Everyone's getting frustrated. The important thing is to just stay safe out there and don't do anything stupid, which coming from me is not great advice. But anyway, I do appreciate everybody listening. I hope that we at least gave you a few thoughts and a few chuckles here. We will likely return here with another couple of let's get weird sports podcasts. And then, any other breaking Purdue news that we may have here over the next few weeks and months, we'll try to get in on a podcast. So for Juan, for Holmes, and Ledman, this is Timo from HammerandRails.com saying thank you for listening and boiler up. Up. <laughs>